Last week on the 70s Weekly Countdown with Mark and Pete. Well, <laughs> we're, we're back together again. Season two of the 70s Weekly Countdown with Mark and Pete. Because no. he put the address on the wrong side and the stamp in the middle. All right. Because he yeah. wrote where the address where the address is supposed to go and put the address where the writing's supposed to go. All right. Very good. So yeah, thanks to Nate for sending these in spite of the quality control or <laughs> formatting issues or whatever. It was nice to get a postcard from him. <laughs> At least it was an inconsistent use of bolding. Yeah. Uh, it also looks like he used a, a full price stamp on here. Yes, he did. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So um, I got notified that episode 37 and 39 were being taken down by Anchor due to copyright violations. I think. Also, because this uh, these artists were in both of those episodes, that I think it's a certain band, it's not Pete's favorite band, and um, it, I don't want to give up the name, but it rhymes with Beagle and and Oof. maybe associated with yeah, the uh, post office symbol. But <laughs> those two episodes were back in January, and I haven't had any notifications of any problems since. That's the way it is. We'll we'll be careful. I'm actually surprised it didn't come up like from the beginning. So I don't know what was up with those two episodes, but uh, mm-hmm. maybe it was something we said. <laughs> <laughs> look it up, or you can look no, it up while I'm talking. You don't have to do that. Have, have other people can look it up. Yeah, our staff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, we have to sack our staff because we're we're being sued for copyright violation. <laughs> <laughs> Throw a bottle at Sebastian Bach Day. Right. Ah, Bach. Ah! <laughs> I, 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 I wrote neutral in here just because. That's fair. Go with it, you know. Ah, I don't know why. You know, this song sucks. <laughs> this is sad. <laughs> I wonder if they had a tramp stamp. I don't know what that is. <laughs> but I, I always re- joked with somebody at work that it's like if, if you're an old guy and you get a tattoo, there's a gramp stamp. <laughs> you know, I, I always talked about the diversity of my high school and it was one third black, one third Hispanic and one third Italian. <laughs> <laughs> what were you the the, the remainder was yeah the... yeah that that minority of minorities <laughs> but yeah so this is yeah shannon by Hen- henry gross um I'll, I'll go ahead and rate this a sap and also curse this song because you know when i went to ireland we flew into shannon airport and then we we went back and forth uh, up and down the country a little bit and i kept every time i saw shannon <laughs> kept hearing that chorus in my head <laughs> i think i sang it a few times actually <laughs> the words were partly inspired by a college essay mcdonald's sister 
Maureen McDonald. <laughs> There's another confusing MM for you. <laughs> Is it Maureen McCormick? <laughs> um, I like they that song. Yeah, they never did get married, but Daryl and Sarah were together for about 28 years before they broke up in 2001. That's a long... Forever. <laughs> so That's a yeah. long time. Yeah, not forever, but 28 years is not bad. <laughs> wow. Well, I've known you for almost 40 years now, so... Yeah, well, we haven't right. broken up yet. <laughs> Peter Hello again, and welcome to the 70s Weekly Countdown with Mark and Pete, a show where two friends review a randomly chosen American Top 40 episode from the 1970s, the most interesting decade in pop music. My name is Mark Roback, and with me is my friend and co-host, Peter Gardo. Hello, Peter. What's happening? Well, hi, Mark. I heard from the weatherman this morning that this is the wettest July on record for the state that we're in at at least at the airport. Kind of interesting because, what was it, seven years ago, we had the big drought. Uh, so things come and go. People don't remember that. Did uh, did it affect any of your golfing or, or outdoor activities? Um, I, a little bit. Not Nothing got uh, canceled, but the golfing, let's say I golfed on uh, Wednesday out in, in Farmington, and one of the they, – they have uh, – two 18 holes and one nine hole course and the nine hole course was closed due to flooding that one runs right by the river that's and, is that where we played uh last year and are going to be playing next month yeah yeah okay uh, and then just monday night it was very very humid for our league and um i probably would have considered taking a cart but it was uh walking only so i had to <laughs> had to rough it out <laughs> Yeah. How about how about you? Did you get uh, any any flooding around the house or anything? Or no, I I, I did have a uh, situation. My uh, my daughter's working uh, at the local uh, water and sewer system um, as a summer job, and uh, she was doing some research for the uh, organization on on who it had worked on on their laterals the last five years because there's this. Uh, big piece of money that came from from the state government to uh fix issues and the question is does does this go retroactive so it was up to her to go through all the data uh-huh. and and she found the data of when this sewer permit was put in for this house and it was uh june 15th 1951 so we came down here to the basement and I, I showed her where the pipe was and I said, and see, this is where it went out the back to the septic tank before. She's like, no way. I says, yeah, here, that's a, 
iron pipe. Let's get a magnet. <laughs> and uh, yes, so that, that was it. And then she says, well, what's this? I says, well, that's the sump pump. I says, I'll show you how it works. And I went and I was going to, you know, put a stick in there to raise the, you know, the float. Mm-hmm. Good thing I did that because then <laughs> after 11 years, my sump pump crapped out. So I, the next day I went to the, the home center number one and I bought one and I, it didn't have the vertical float like I wanted. It had the one in the arm. Oh, uh, yeah. It didn't work. I brought it back. I says, I want my money back. I went to the other home center and I got one that I wanted. Uh, but with, even with all the rain that we've had, some pump didn't turn on. So huh, but, that's that's good. But it was, you know, you got to check that thing every once in a while. And I know that uh, I know of people that have uh, double sump pumps and ones in batteries and all this other kind of stuff. So it's. Uh, yeah, I, I ran into that situation where I was ready to head out on a business trip uh, many years ago and then it was supposed to they they were forecasting you know really bad rains and and I went down the cellar it's like well I mean just make sure it's still working and it wasn't and so <laughs> the same thing ran out to the home center and got one and you know was in a big hurry to <laughs> get it hooked up yeah. before I left for a couple weeks <laughs> so we have a mailbag a mailbag yep so <laughs> oh, okay yeah i can all right we're to see what that is looks like i can't tell what that is i don't know if, is it upside down uh still or can't really good? tell what it is yeah it's a little too small for me i guess oh it goes this way it's a theater ah okay okay now yeah I now i get it, it. yeah i had <laughs> i had it the, the other three ways first and it's uh it's not dated of course it needs to be dated when you send mail <laughs> folks but the postmark is july 17th from uh milwaukee <clears throat> milwaukee wisconsin <laughs> pete here's an architectural tour for you back at the Talison for the first time since 2013 great architecture sadly i haven't found a book of Talison yet nate <laughs> <laughs> so this is uh, this is at the Hillside Theater at the Taliesin, and the curtain was designed by Frank Lloyd Wright in 1952, and it's constructed of multicolored pieces of felt and yarn sewn into large strips of cotton muslin, designed with Wright's abstract interpretation of the Taliesin Estate. So I looked about the Taliesin Estate. So Frank Lloyd Wright uh, abandoned his wife, and went to Wisconsin, and opened up the Taliesin, and. Uh, so I've I've poked my nose into into uh, Wisconsin by accident once when I was out uh, at the other plant and I got on the wrong road and I went to see somebody. I've never really I can say I've been there, but I've never visited Wisconsin. Have you yeah. ever visited Wisconsin? I have not. No. So uh, it says here spent three days at a work event here. At the very, this, at this very place, states in 13, 2013. So thank you for the mail. Thank you. And he yeah. did use a postcard stamp. Did he put it on the right side too? And, oh, it and looks he, like he, he did. He put everything, he did everything correctly. So awesome. Awesome.
I had sort of something to talk about too. So we we both got a text a couple of weeks back from our friend Dave K because he was going to be doing a little concert down at the uh, square in the in my town or whatever. And uh, you 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 couldn't go. You had another uh, obligation. But uh, yep. I I went. Uh, the name of his band is Dave Knoll Christie and Friends. He said in the text, he was like, oh, we're, we're going to do two NRBQ songs and unfortunately no Rory Gallagher songs. And <laughs> so I went and he did do two NRBQ songs. I forget what the first one was, but the second one was It Was an Accident. Ah, yes. Great. Song. And Dave K was he, he did a lot of the singing, too, as well as his harmonica. He did a instrumental version on the harmonica of rock and robin which was excellent and then about halfway through the show i was sitting next to one of his friends uh john and john got up there he was going to do a couple numbers and the first or second one he did was called messing with the kid which is a blues standard first recorded in 1960 by junior wells yeah. But guess who covered that song? The Blues which, Brothers. Nope. Somebody else. And it became one of his signature songs. Oh. Rory Gallagher. Okay. <laughs> so he did do a uh, Rory Gallagher song. I actually went down and it had a good time. Uh, they they played for probably a little over a couple hours with a, with a break in between. And uh, yeah, yeah, Dave's wife was there and a bunch of uh, her friends from work. And yeah, yeah, really good time. If you if you get a chance the next time he plays, uh, you, sh- you should go. I'm looking for my harmonicas. I could <laughs> you know I could play it like a three year old. Ah. Yeah, I, I got one I found cleaning out the house that looks like it belonged to a three-year-old or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. So uh, anyway, um, as you can tell, Pete and I have been friends for a long time, 30 plus years. We met in college and then ended up working together for a long time. And in each of these episodes, we'll review all 40 songs in the Chosen Weeks countdown and provide some factual information on each song, as well as our personal opinion stories, comments related to it at the end of the episode we'll provide our individual choices for the best and worst song a song that we think will torture the other guy that we've labeled the agonizer and we will give our individual a plus direct grade for the entire countdown since nobody has the exact same taste in music our opinions on individual songs may be controversial but we otherwise intend to keep the conversation light humorous and hopefully entertaining remember this is just a discussion not a competition so please no wagering i'm laughing because do you have the text of what i just read i i used find replace and uh and i replaced uh may with july and apparently it, it, it wrote over where I said the song, it, it said our opinions on individual songs, June be controversial. <laughs> I just saw that. I was wondering what you were. It almost tripped me up where I couldn't continue. <laughs> well, today's episode 55 of the 70th Weekly Countdown with Mark and Pete. This is season two, and it's from the weekend in July 9th, 1977. The title of this episode is 
I'm in you. Looks like we made it. <laughs> All right. So, do you have any info, or do you remember what you were doing in the early July of 1977? Ah, absolutely. So, I went to my father's date book, and the 9th, which was a Saturday, of course, is empty. All right. But on the 10th, my dad weighed 201 pounds, excuse me, 198 pounds. But the previous weekend, which was the 4th of July weekend, it says ACHS reunion. So my folks went to their 25th high school reunion because they met, met each other in high school. Oh, wow. At, uh, out, out in Amherst, New York, which is uh, uh, just a little northwest of downtown Buffalo. And, uh, and so we were there from the 1st to the 4th. And my father actually weighed 201 pounds on the 3rd. So he had, uh, I don't know where he weighed himself. He weighed, you know, I don't think he brought the scale with him. So that could have been at his folks' house or at (laughs) uh, my uh, mom's folks' house. But um, yeah, this was, this was a summer of, uh, of summer camp for me um, in the summer of 1977. My, my mother was always into, into Girl Scouts and she was a camp counselor and, you know, part of this women's lib stuff. And I tell you folks, it was weird growing up in the seventies <laughs> <Okay. Yeah. laughs> with, with, with my folks and, and my mom and, and expectations of uh, that my dad had and, uh, and that my, my mother started having and, uh, but she wanted a job. So she, she became the director of the, of the local day camp for the YMCA and, huh. uh, I couldn't stay home. So I became a camper and it was, uh, I was there every day that my mom was there except when I went to scout camp uh, for the Boy Scouts. I tell you, it was embarrassing. Um, Because you go to the back of the back of the park or whatever. (laughs) You don't let folks know your your mom is the camp director. So uh, it's just interesting. Did you ever do anything like that with, you know, with your mom or your or, or your dad where they were in a in a position of 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 being in charge and you know, was your father ever like the, you know, the ball coach or anything um, like that? The, the only thing I remember, and I think it was only one game, they pulled like people out of the crowd to do like umpire for a little league. And my father was, he was out in the field though. So it wasn't really, you uh-huh. know, <laughs> whatever, but uh, yeah, yeah, nobody balked at like, oh, your kid's out there playing, you know, I don't think yeah. he would have called it my way anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, but that's that's what was going on then. So anything uh, in your date book? Um, yeah. So you know, I, I don't have my own date book, but yeah, this was the summer between uh, seventh and eighth grades for me. And I think I also it was like a day camp type of thing. But I went down to the uh, the Trinity College that was uh, not too too far from uh, my neighborhood within walking distance anyway. And they had like a sports camp. So you would, they had different sports and coaches or whatever. And uh, remember that's might've been my like first exposure to golf actually. And, and, you know, basketball and track and field stuff and, and whatever. But I always joke about that. I think actually maybe oh Nate brought up something from the same Woody Allen always joked about how he spent the summer at interfaith camp where he was sadistically beaten by children of all races and creeds. <laughs> so I always just kind of joke about that, which actually nothing happened, but 
it's, that was my experience. But um, I have uh, I have Gail's date book. It's just a uh, kind of tiny. This actually is more of just a date book. It's a tiny uh, mm-hmm. red book says 1977 on it. But I'll get into just the one thing she had in here when we get into the uh, news section. So, okay. So we unfortunately have a couple of corrections from last episode. I was, I was not exactly right. You mean you were wrong? Mm. Yeah, that's right, Malfa. I was what you just said I was just then, yeah. The one I have is more of a clarification and uh, a, uh, you, you know, it's it's kudos to Pete in a way, but I wasn't necessarily fully wrong. When uh, we were talking about, I think, the the Happy Days theme song, which was uh, written by the team of Gimbal and Fox, I said that they also did the Love Boat theme. And Pete was like, oh, no, no, that was uh, Paul Williams and Jack Jones. So mm-hmm. I did a little bit more research. And Pete was correct that Paul Williams wrote the lyrics and, and it was sung by Jack Jones. But the music was composed by one half of the team, Charles Fox. So, okay, I was half wrong, I guess. And uh, yeah, uh, and I, I also have uh, something here, which is I said that sister number one graduated from college. Now she graduated from high school in June of 1976. Ah, so, okay. So yeah. I, I, I had that. Yeah. So I think she was in the same class as my brother number two but also that you had one other uh little little mistake but i could see how you could make this because they were around in the same time and that was we were talking about radon and tebby the the incident where the hijacking took place and the hijackers took the plane to uganda and uh, you you said oh yeah uh baby doc yeah. but actually it, it was Idi Amin was yeah. the, the king of scotland doc. Right, right. Okay, because I wrote down here after you can see that King of Scotland. Yep, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, did, did you ever see that movie? I saw uh, the previews and stuff about eight, ten years ago. I, I never saw that. No, no, yeah, no. Yeah. but uh, yeah, we talked about the, the Radon and Tevi movie, which I did see, yeah. Charles, Charles Bronson. But uh, anyway, so, so some news headlines from the uh, period of early July 1977. June 30th, President Jimmy Carter cans the B-1A bomber and uh, later B-1s and the B-52. But yet the B-52s, I think, are they still flying out there? They're still flying. Yeah, yeah. And uh, speaking of the B-1, if if you look at your screen, if I'm sharing. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. So there's a book that you should all buy. It's called The Supersonic Bone. A development in operational history of the B-1 bomber by a colleague of of uh, of ours, uh, Ken Katz, yeah. and uh, Ken also uh, has been on the Damcasters podcast. Uh, I listened to the podcast; it's a two parter, and uh, Ken is very uh, uh, knowledgeable about this stuff. He was uh, he was in the Air Force and. Uh, uh, has great passion for uh, for the history of 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 that air, aircraft. Good guy to work with, and uh, you know what he is. Other than being a good guy to work with, uh, no, what 
an Eagle Scout. Oh, oh, you're so, so you're fellow Eagle Scouts. Is there some sort right. of secret handshake you guys got? <laughs> no, <it's not. laughs> oh, okay. So, yeah. So when I saw that in the news, I, I I thought of that. Maybe we can sell some. Go to go to the Amazon, and and buy your copy of. Uh, it's uh, four bucks on the Kindle. Nice and cool. Yeah, geez, maybe I should even read it on the Kindle if it's only four bucks. Yeah, so. yeah. I might, I might. And then I can have him sign my Kindle. <laughs> no you could do an electronic signature <laughs> yeah oh that's cool then i can steal his checkbook and it really yeah. be good yeah yeah so so also on june 30th you might be interested in this one the the u.s railway post office final train runs between new york to washington dc so i guess yeah. after that they weren't carrying the uh mail on the trains anymore uh, maybe they were carrying it, but they weren't sorting it. So, <laughs> oh, so yeah, the, the railway post offices, what they would do is they would pick the, you know, back in the before this is they would actually just get unsorted bags of mail and they would sort them on the train as they were going. Ah, OK. OK. Interesting. I didn't know yeah. that history. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you get the zip code. You don't need this stuff anymore. Yeah. Yeah. What does well, zip mean in zip code? Since before your son burned hot in space and before your race was born, I have awaited a question. Uh, I don't know. Zone something, something. Uh, Zone improvement. <laughs> ah, okay. So it's not or even really like an acronym. It's just uh, a <laughs> uh, whatever. Maybe it's zone improvement thing. Okay. Yeah, while you perhaps look it up, I'll, I'll move on here to... Uh, July 11th, just the magazine covers uh, at, at this time. Uh, time Magazine had youth crime. Oh, zone improvement plan. Yeah. Ah, a plan's so it like a thing. Yeah. yeah. So, so it yeah. is. A, yeah. Yeah. Well, Sorry for interrupting you as you're talking about. Uh, yeah. Youth, next... youth crime. So I guess nope. that was a big deal in, in 77. Uh, yeah. Were they stealing catalytic converters yet? No, they hadn't been invented. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So then on uh, July 13th, New York City experiences a 25-hour blackout. And so that's when I opened up Gail's date book. She didn't have a lot in here, but she's got on Wednesday the 13th. Tonight, the lights went out all over New York City. We are watching it on TV. (laughs) (laughs) I remember that happening because I remember the news and they were showing people who just like decided they would go out and direct traffic because, you know, it was getting gridlocked and stuff. And it's like, what else are you going to do? The guy said, oh, I grabbed my whistle from whatever track and field coach and went out there and directed traffic. So it's interesting. I, I, my, I would have thought my father would have put that in the date book. Yeah, yeah, was, uh, but he didn't. Yeah, but summer classes ended uh, that day. Me three three six, and he was playing in the community band. Yeah, that night. and then finally on uh, July nineteenth, the forty eighth MLB All Star Game was at Yankee Stadium. I guess it was a good thing they got the lights back on. The time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the National League won seven to five. The MVP was Don Sutton of the LA Dodgers, the pitcher. Yeah, I I was reading, you know, the All-Star game was a couple of weeks ago also. And uh, 
it was like the lowest uh, watched All Star game, like in forever. I I don't even pay attention to Major League Baseball anymore. Ever, ever since the Red Sox won the World Series, I've been you know what was that almost nineteen years ago. Mm. I just haven't cared. I, I listen, used to listen to them on the on the radio all the time, and I, I just I don't care. You know? Yeah, I, yeah. Are you're a Yankees fan, right? No, no. I was always a Red Sox fan. Oh, okay. And um, but I I come in and out, right? I I hate to say it. It's like I'm kind of a fair weather fan. If they're, you know, if they're, if they're having a good season, it looks like they might go somewhere. I'll, I'll start watching the games. Yeah. But if they're wallowing in the cellar i'm like eh, yeah <laughs> yeah I, I i don't know i just i just feel I, I so yeah, yeah i can't sit through a whole baseball game though without doing something else I, yeah well i could listen to it on the radio and do something else and i did right. that for for i did that for you know decades you know from yeah. the 70s up through the you know early early to mid 2000s and uh um but i you, you knew who all the players were back then you, right you get the, i can remember looking at this at the at the standings in the newspaper and and you knew who these people were and and it was it was a treat when the national when the best players from the national league and american league came together now that now they're playing you know they, they got rid of the leagues all right and and there's it's not special anymore you know one right. of the things that came out of the strike you know 29 years ago was oh we'll have interleague play that really started turning me off because I, I just believe that that having them separated was was so much better than having them all together. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. They a lot, you know. Yeah, they face each other for the first time, either in the All Star game or, or or basically in the World Series. Yeah, yeah. I, you I, know, I the, the Mets are playing up in Boston this weekend. It's like, yeah. I mean, yeah, back when they had the World Series in '86, that was that was awesome because yeah. you know the Mets were big then you know yeah. they they taken over in new york and the red sox were still awesome yeah. and uh now it's like eh, who cares yeah so but that's yeah. um, you know get off my lawn yeah that's, that's the old guy <laughs> lament so <laughs> for the day hopefully yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right just a one item in uh technology from 1977 on july 3rd the first MRI was performed, magnetic resonance imaging, body scan of a human. So something pretty commonplace nowadays, but back then that was when it was first done. When when I was down at the beach last week and couldn't go to the the Dave the Dave K band, um, a friend of mine who I've known for forty five years was talking about how he had this test done which was like an mri or something and it's just pete you should have it done it's like why do i want to do that to myself <laughs> you know why <laughs> and i forget what what the context was but you know there's so many people out there looking for looking for problems you know oh it's a, it's like one of those full body scan things where you yeah know, they, they detect yeah. that yeah yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard of those. Ex expensive from what I heard, too. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So get off my lawn. Yeah. <laughs> get out of my MRI machine. <laughs> <laughs> the economy in 1977, unemployment rate was 7.7%. .7%, inflation rate, 11%. 
Same buying power of today's dollar was about 20 cents back then. Cost of a gallon of regular gas was 62 cents. That's about 312 today. That's kind of expensive for the 70s. And uh, does that uh, match any of your real-time data? What did you say? You said uh, 62 cents a gallon. Well, yeah. you're pretty pretty darn close, except for one. So the 74 VW Dasher was uh, filled up on the 10th. It was 63.9 cents a gallon. Oh, and it got 29.86 okay. miles per gallon. Wow. As I said, we drove out to uh, to Buffalo. I, I, I'll go up and get my shoesies and we'll pack up all our bluesies. And away we'll go. Ooh, 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 off we go. Don't remember the trip, you know, but we were there. The 72 bus, um, we got free gas oh, because wow. <laughs> because my my mother's father, you know, my mother's parents lived on a farm and they had a a gasoline tank where you would pump it by hand. All right. So the guy would deliver it to, to be able to fill up the farm equipment. Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. And so so my father was there and they and I can remember my grandfather going out and you know filling up the car, you know, he couldn't smoke his pipe then. Uh <laughs> because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, you can't do that. But um he got 13 and a half gallons for free from WHP. That's the initials of my grandfather, and uh 20.6 miles per gallon. But on the way home in Albany the same day on the on the fourth. 61.9 cents a gallon uh for 22.85 miles per gallon so we must have had a tailwind there but i'll tell you another thing here with this is that the um the taxes on the uh the property taxes on that dasher mm -hmm. the car was <clears throat> excuse me three years old was 91 dollars and 13 cents all wow, right that seems like a lot that seems like a lot of money because you know, what it was it 20 cents so 20 times that is like 800 bucks yeah uh, yeah uh, you know it, and i'm i'm looking here for the for the volkswagen bus that was 1977 right and uh, oil filter lube taxes 68 dollars on on the uh on the five-year-old car so even that's 500 bucks now wow and i just paid the auto auto taxes for the yeah, they only had two cars. We have three drivers and we have four cars. I guess that's <laughs> how it is nowadays. Yeah, I, I just paid mine as well. But I only have one car. All righty. So um, we'll look at the uh, TV shows that were on around this time. So uh, Wednesday, July 6th, ABC at 8, Donnie and Marie, season one, awesome. episode 14. And their guests were Don Knotts and Michael Landon. So Nice. Yeah, pretty cool. And then uh, if you got a little tired of that, you could switch over to CBS at 830 and the uh, Marilyn McCoo and Billy Davis Jr. show was on. So awesome. A variety show then. And then moving on to uh, Friday, July 8th, NBC at 9, Quincy. And the episode is Snake Eyes, season two, episode one. And I remember this episode specifically. 
The mysterious deaths of several patrons at a resort hotel where Quincy is attending a pathologist convention involved the medical examiner in a desperate effort to prevent the story from leaking out and causing a panic. And you say Legionnaire's disease. Yeah, exactly. They were like in, in the episode, he goes, you know what? I'm thinking it could be Legion fever. And, uh, <laughs> so did you listen to that? Uh, that conan o'brien episode that i sent you no no i hadn't i'm sorry yeah so it's conan o'brien he had the guy from uh i don't even know what he's on nbc or cnn uh, jake tapper but he he wrote he writes like novels too and he writes some they sort of sounded interesting it's like a, a novel that takes place in a certain time period and the, the like just made up characters interact with some famous people or whatever, but they were doing a lot of talk about the seventies and they talked about how all the stuff that happened in 77, which was interesting. And then, you know, the blackout, they were talking about that. And then also they were talking about different evil Knievel and they talked mm-hmm. about Quincy and uh, Conan said he saw some commercial for Quincy and, and at the time, and it was like Quincy's at the racetrack and it's, they're watching the, the horses run and all of a sudden, I don't even know if it was Quincy's horse he bet on, but a, a horse keeled over and died. And then they show Quincy going, that horse didn't just die. It was murdered. <laughs> the 70s were great. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, then moving on, uh, Saturday, July 9th, ABC at 8, Wonder Woman. And the episode name is The, Fe- the Feminine Mystique. And it's season one, episode five. But the guest stars are John Saxon, Carolyn. My favorite. Yep. Carolyn Jones, who you know who that is. Morticia no, Adams. And Deborah. Oh, that's Winger. Morticia. Okay. So that's, that's okay. I didn't know that was Morticia Adams. Yeah. 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 And then Deborah Winger. If you recall, Deborah Winger played Wonder Girl. On, oh. uh, on Wonder I don't know who Deborah Winger is. You Should know. I? Yeah, yeah, officer and a gentleman. Never saw it. Cowboy. Never saw it. Okay. Uh, was it Terms of Endearment? I think, Never saw or, it. Or one of those. Yeah. Okay. Well, she was a big actress back in. I know the name, the 80s. but I yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I don't think I've ever seen. I wonder if I ever saw this. I probably saw this episode of Wonder Woman. Yeah, Wonder Woman. And this was when it was on ABC, so it was still the it was set in uh, World War II, I believe. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So then um, Sunday, July tenth, ABC at seven, the Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew mysteries, and the episode is the Flickering Torch mystery, season one, episode seven, directed by Ivan Dixon, who that's right, Kinch, Kinch, yeah, the real Kinch, yep. not fake Kinch, and then now that um, was that was Washington. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, guest star was Rick Nelson. So this was the time where he, he wanted to be called Rick Nelson, not Ricky Nelson. And yeah. Was, uh, he was a real he was a real rock star. Yep. Doing acting. And then his, and, then his did, twin boys became Nelson. Yeah. So did you remember this episode? Because you were. A, no, I don't. I don't recall this episode. Uh, okay. But I do have a box of Hardy Boys books over here. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I get, I'm assuming Rick Nelson played the character that was uh, the nation's top rock and roll star. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Anyway, um, so then uh, NBC at eight, McMillan and Wife. And the uh, episode is 
Dark Sunrise. It's from season six, episode two. And Kim Basinger and Karen Valentine were on this one. Do you remember yeah. that episode? I I believe I've seen it, but uh, remember, season six of Macmillan and Wife, they'd killed off Sally ah. and Sally's kid. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And Mildred, you know, the quicker picker upper. Yeah. She she went to work on her own show. So it was retitled Macmillan. Ah. Okay. Uh, and I think it was it wasn't Carol Channing. Uh uh I forget who took over for uh for Mildred. Uh you know, it was one of those ladies uh to be the housekeeper. And it was there was only six episodes that year, and every episode, Rock Hudson, you know, the Macmillan character had a different girlfriend. So I uh, was trying to figure out so who was his girlfriend here? Was it Karen Valentine or uh, was it or was it uh Kim uh, Basinger? Kim Basinger, okay. Yeah, Kim Basinger. Now I think would Karen Valentine's young. a little older than Kim Basinger. Yeah, okay? yeah. Kim Basinger would be pretty young then, I think. Although I, I remember seeing her in some other TV shows in the 70s. Yeah. But I remember like like uh uh you talked about uh Carolyn Jones, uh Shirley Jones was one of his girlfriends in, in that season. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's still uh, good. Now, John Shuck is also, uh, uh, he wasn't uh, there because he went to do his own show, who actually went to the same high school that my folks went to uh, out in, uh, outside of Buffalo. Was that Holmes and Yo-Yo? Was that his show? <laughs> I, it it might have been. Yeah. All right. And then uh, finally, I'll just mention Monday, July 11th, CBS at 10. The Sonny and Cher Show, Season 2, Episode 19. Then the guest stars were Lyle Wagner, Muhammad Ali, and Marilyn McCoo and Billy Davis Jr. <laughs> so wow, were... you got him, got him again. <laughs> yeah, and, you yeah, know, so Muhammad you... Ali, you know what I mean? He's he's the greatest. And, yeah. and Lyle Wagner, who was on uh, Wonder Woman, you know. Wonder uh, Woman, and, and then, yeah, of course, Carol Burnett. So, yeah. Carol Burnett Show, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. I always liked how his, how his tooth, like, went tink. You know, yeah. he smiled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. So uh, the last thing I'll bring up is just a couple movie releases on uh, July 13th. The Spy Who Loved Me, which was the 10th James Bond film with Roger Moore and Barbara Bach. Now, who's Barbara Bach married to? Ringo. Ringo. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and wasn't that song, uh, uh, Nobody Does It Better by Carly Simon? The, yes, the, it was. Yeah. So Shirley Bassey didn't do that one. That was no. out I, of, uh, yeah. And I'm not sure. And, if, then if, and then, of course, you get Duran Duran. The Union of, what did they do? It wasn't the no, Union no, of the Snake. Was, uh, it was, the Reflex. Um, something like that. Girls no, view, on film. View, view to a Kill. That, oh, yeah. that was it. View to a view <laughs> to a, yeah. Not not one of the better James Bond themes. I I don't know. If we'll have to look this up. Is is the Spy Who Loved Me the biggest hit of any of the James Bond? Was uh, that where they went into outer space? Um, no, no. It was the one actually they went underwater. The the car that oh. was the submarine and and uh, yeah. And then July thirteenth also released a uh, Orca. Starring Richard Harrison, Charlotte Rampling about the a killer whale trying to cash in on uh, Jaws, <laughs> but I, I don't think it did was, uh, all that. Was well. Charlotte Rampling was she was she on that 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 TV show with you know at the boarding school? Uh, no, that wasn't that Charlotte Ray. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah that Charlotte, Charlotte Rampling Ray. is uh, is a British actress, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Who's Richard Harris? I know the name. <laughs> he's a, this kind of famous British actor. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's not famous enough for you to know. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was in Camelot, <laughs> the play, too. Uh, uh, made it famous. But uh, anyway, so that's that's it for the pop culture. So now, as Casey would say, on with the countdown. Number 40. So we always start with number 40. Yeah. Somehow I wonder why. But uh, so going to be a lot of repeats in this episode again. So this is Handyman by James Taylor. This was in our episode 16 from August 27, 77. Where was number five? It would get to number four. It was written by Jimmy Jones and Otis Blackwell. And Handyman became a million seller, reaching number three on the R&B charts and number two on the Billboard Hot 100 in 1960. The song was a hit again in 1964, reaching number 22 for Del Shannon. So, how would you rate this one? I, I, I gave this one a neutral. Yeah, this is neutral. Another repeat from episode 16. I tell you everything. I don't know if he's going to say it. I remember reading about this song. They had to... They had to call the United States to make it ring because overseas it goes... Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. (laughs) So they had to make a long-distance call. Yeah, because don't you hear that noise in the in the Pink Floyd, uh, whatever song that is? Oh, yeah, I think so. I'm I'm going neutral on this. Yeah, I was neutral on this. Um, This one got to number seven, and but ELO of course had a bunch of hits in the '70s. Their biggest being "Don't Bring Me Down," that went to number four in '79, and they were the 55th best-selling artists of the 1970s. I don't remember this song at all. I don't is this, either. Is this a theme to something? It, it, it very much sounds like that, but I didn't find anything. So, and this is one of the few songs we haven't uh, had before. Called Devil's Gun. Uh, CJ and Company. This one uh, peaked at number 36 and was written by the team of Gary Shuri, Ron Roker, and Barry Green. Al Roker? (laughs) No, his brother Ron, apparently. Uh, (laughs) Shuri and Roker had a publishing company called Geronimo Music, and CJ and Company was a Detroit vocal group with three male singers and two female. They were assembled by the producers Dennis Coffey and Mike Theodore. Coffey was one of the top session guitarists in the 70s and in 71 released Scorpio, which became a hit the following year. 
This was the first song played at the New York Dance Club Studio 54 when it opened oh, for wow. business on April 26, 77. Um, this was CJ and Company's only top 40 hit. It got the number two on the R&B chart, number one on the dance chart. And uh, yeah, it. Um, I didn't remember this, but I tell you what, I think it's a, it's a good song. I, I voted good on this one. Yep, me too. All right, on to number 37. Duke by Stevie Wonder. I'm going good. Yeah. So this was off of Songs in the Key of Life. This was from our episode six, which was June 11, 77. Got to number one and stayed there for three weeks. And Stevie wrote this as a tribute to music, but specifically Duke Ellington, who had passed away in 1974. All right, this is Rod. This is the killing of Georgie. I really don't like this song. I'm going bad on this. I just, I couldn't. And this is parts one and two. All right, this is this is two parts. Bad. Yeah, I didn't even remember this one, but it's off his album "A Night on the Town." Um, I, I went neutral with it. All right. I had a hard time listening to it. <laughs> I'm going good. I like yeah. Super Tramp. Yeah, yeah. So this is Give a Little Bit by Super Tramp off their album, Even in the Quietest Moments. Uh, this is good for me as well. This was uh, peaking at number 15 in our episode 16 from August. Uh, Roger Hodgson wrote this uh, song when he was a teenager, but didn't record it until much later. And at this point, Super Tramp had had a previous hit in 1975 with Bloody Well Right that went to number 35. So are you a Roger Hodgson or Rick Davies? guy which which camp are you in i don't know that i'm in either camp really yeah you got to be in one camp or the other do i yeah i'll have to off to ponder that question <laughs> all right because i like a lot of the rick davies stuff and and when roger hodson i guess one of them couldn't stand the other one's wife or something okay yeah. that's the reason they they broke up and uh, so Roger Hodgson, he did that song, and it was really not good after Breakfast in America. And, yeah. Whatever. 
Bad. This one's good, though. Oh, this is this is really good. I think we said good. I went to my apartment on Monday. This is better than good. This is freaking awesome. We don't have an awesome though. I'm going good. I actually went bad. Oh, I I I mean, me of all people should appreciate the uh, double entendres and stuff like that. But I I just. I, I found it really irritating listening to after a while. <laughs> well, I can remember that summer, you know, when it was out, you know, what was I, 12 years old? And yeah. you know, it was something you could sing along to, okay? Yeah. Because you didn't know what the heck she was, you know, that, what's her name? Mimi. Mary Wilson. Mary Wilson, oh. with, a, with an I, not that Mary Wilson. Yeah. So yeah, this is Telephone Man. This was peaking. Your father was a telephone man. He was, yeah. The song was inspired by him. <laughs> Not. <laughs> so this was peaking at uh, number 18 on our episode 16 from uh, August. And, uh, yeah, Mary Wilson was an American model and singer, songwriter, and commercial jingle singer as well. And she composed this song based on a true story of a little affair she had with a Dallas telephone technician. I got it in the kitchen and I got it on the wall. I got it in the fridge. I got it with the ring and when you told me what my number was, I got a tingling and singing hey I remember the words. So, so was that a later. shout out to uh, Chuck Berry's alma mater? That line, thing only might have been. Yeah, <laughs> my alma mater. Yeah. It's oh God. All right, it's time to take a nap. <laughs> this is Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Yeah. Just a song before I go. So this was peaking at number seven in our episode 16 from August. Uh, it was their biggest hit since 1970 with Woodstock uh, when Neil Young was with them. And now they're just a trio at this point. And uh, yeah, so we talked about this as well. It was written in Hawaii by uh, M. Nash. What's your rating? I had a neutral on this. Ugh, I'm going bad. I just, I'm sick of it. Okay. I probably, that's probably, probably not very fair. But I, I, We're nothing but honest on this show. Yeah. <laughs> well, this song, this is MTB. Uh, huge song in the summer of 77. I remember uh, going to scout camp. And uh, that's, that's a song, heard in love song. And, you know, some older scouts brought radios. I don't know if I didn't even have a radio with that used batteries. Uh, and uh, remember this guy Dave K not our Dave K a different K he was all over the, the Marshall Tucker band and uh, I kind of got into him sort of because of him 
Okay. Uh, yeah, this was in our episode six from uh, June 11th, where it was peaking at number 14. And this is the Marshall Tucker's band's uh, biggest hit on the pop charts. Uh, I think I told the story. My brother said he was, I think his first apartment woman kept playing this song in the apartment next to him and that's all he could hear was the bass <laughs> I think I told the story about seeing uh, Toy Caldwell down at the Bourbon Street and he played forever and ever and ever and ever because his brother Tommy Caldwell or one of them died in like 1980 and then he went on his own yeah. and I was down there with my buddies uh, Rich and Bubba in like 1988 down in her union place Oops, I said the name of Big City. And um, he wore us out. You know, here we are, like, you know, 20 kids in our young 20s. It's like, all right, I got to go home. I got to go to bed. He played till 2 in the morning. He was great. And then he passed away. Yeah, he passed away in 1993. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I uh, I went neutral on this. I was never a big uh, Marshall Really? Kid. Uh, yeah, maybe, uh, right. you know, maybe it's my country music bias and it sounded a little too... Yeah, this isn't country, country music. It's not, but it, you know, back in 77, I might have thought it was. <laughs> wrangler and a rambler. Maybe that's, you know, you don't want to be a wrangler or a rambler. Yeah. He was born on a summer day in 1951. Oh. This is our friend Andrew Gold, and this is Lonely Boy, off his album, What's Wrong With This Picture. This was in our episode six from um, June 11th, where it was peaking at number seven. And this guy wrote, what TV theme? The Golden Girls TV song. song. Yep. Thank you for being a friend. And uh, yeah, um, so... Is that his real name? Um, I couldn't find an alias, so um, I think it is. So he passed away at the age of 59 in 2011. But um, I don't know if you saw that. Uh, I thought I sent you a link to the article. I don't know if you read it. But it was an interview with Rory Gallagher in the 70s. And he was talking, they were asking him, you know, about trying to make it in America. And he brings up Andrew Gold. And he said, well, you know, the guy had a big hit record and an album, but I'm not sure with all that, that he could sell a sell out a, you know, a Coliseum or someplace if he got outside of LA. And he was just about talking about like touring and you could be successful touring, even though you didn't have a hit record and vice, vice versa. So it was, it was interesting. He mentioned a lot of bands from the uh, 70s in that article. I'll throw a link in the show notes. Yeah. But uh, I actually rated this a good. Um, I love the guitar solo in this. It's a good song. It's a little bit self-pity, but it's... um... Yeah. He's like our age when he died. Yeah. Yeah, 59. Well, more more your yeah. age than my age. Yeah. yeah, well, we're both the same age now for like half a year. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, didn't know, I didn't know he passed away. Yeah. We had this one before, right? Yes, we did. So, yeah, this is Barracuda by Heart. This was number 12 on our episode 16 from August. Uh, 
And um, it got one notch higher to number 11, and it was written by Ian and Nancy Wilson together with guitarist Roger Fisher and drummer Michael DeRozier. And according to the band, the song is a statement about the record industry in general. And the Wilson sisters have talked about, like, how the record company trying to promote them floated this nasty rumor and they, they got angry and wrote this song so uh, i i rated it good on this one this is a this is a classic rock song yeah same here What what are you going to do? This is the best song ever. (laughs) Yeah, I I was just going to say, I think you loyal listeners will know that uh, both Pete and I are going to vote good on this one. Perhaps great if we had that category. Yeah, this is I'm Your Boogeyman by Casey and the Sunshine Band, Henry Wayne Casey. This was in our episode six from uh, June 11th, where it was number one. So, up to this point, they had the other hits, Get Down Tonight, That's the Way I Like It, Shake Your Booty, and this one. And all number ones since 75. I just, you know, I never really paid attention to the lyrics of this back then, but I, I love the, the lines. Early morning, late afternoon, or at midnight, it's never too soon. I'm your boogeyman. <laughs> really? Because I knew that, you know, 45 years ago. Uh, I was still in, I still had my Disco Sucks card. <laughs> uh, great, great song. Yeah. It was a lot of fun seeing Casey last, uh, last September. No, it sounds funny, but I just can't stand the pain. Girl, I'm leaving you tomorrow. Oh. No mistaking that voice if you heard the radio in the 80s, that's for sure. Right, but it's this is when he was still the front man for the Commodores. Yeah. And what was he? That's why I'm easy. So when they were like, you know, on Soul Train or, you know, uh, Midnight Express. Did they dress up as, like, Commodores or Captains? Oh, that's, a, that's a good question. For some reason, did, I can't... Did they ever have a nautical theme? I, I, for some reason, I'm picturing them with jackets with the... What do they call those? The epaulets or whatever? Epaulets, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll have to look that up. Like Captain Crunch. Them. Yeah, yeah. I'll post some pictures up in the, uh, on, the on the Twitter or in the show notes if I find it. But... Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, Jeez, uh, you know, I, I I put down neutral. I, I got to go good on this. Yeah, I, I went good. And I mean, yeah. this is really the, this is the song that kind of launched Lionel Richie into the stratosphere. Because the Commodores were definitely much more of a funk, you know, band. And then, uh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, this one got to number one on the soul chart, and uh, it, yeah, it peaked at number four. So, big song. And I always like the part where he goes, woo! <laughs> All right, we're going to get a little intro from Casey for number 27. 
This is Casey Kasem on AT40 in Hollywood, and now we're up to the current hit by the country superstar who was almost a passenger on the plane that crashed and killed three of the biggest rock and roll stars of the 50s. He was a member of the Crickets back then, Buddy Holly's famous backup band, and they were all part of a big rock and roll show that was touring the Midwest in early 1959. they just finished a concert in Clear Lake, Iowa. And Buddy had chartered a small three-passenger plane to fly him and two other members of the tour to their next stop in Fargo, North Dakota. The rest of the company planned to follow them in a chartered bus. It was just after midnight, and the three passengers were in their seats on the small plane, waiting for a storm to clear up so they could take off. Suddenly, J.P. Richardson, the big bopper, stuck his head in the door to ask if there was an extra seat for him. He said he had the flu and couldn't take the long bus ride to Fargo. Well, all three of the seats were taken. But one of the passengers said, Hey, J.P., you can have my seat. So he got out, and the big bopper got in. Well, the tragic end of that plane flight is well known. And the man whose kindness on that day saved his life is country superstar Waylon Jennings. The only two things in life that make it worth living is guitars that tune good and burn. I did not know that um, before I listened to this uh, episode of AT40. So, did you? I think I might have. You know who's a big Waylon Jennings fan? Who? My buddy Doug, who you'll see next month golfing. Ah, okay. And he liked this stuff like back when we were in high school, you know, so 40 years ago. Oh, really? So. so I, I don't know. The best thing about this song is when Willie chimes in, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. So I, uh, this is probably a rarity for a country song, but I gave this one a neutral. I think we talked about before. I, you asked me if I ever had been to Lukenbeck, and I said no, and then my sister said, oh, yes, you have. And, uh, <laughs> That's right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this was uh, number 38 in our episode six from uh, June 11, 77. And of course, Waylon Jennings in 79 joined the cast of the Dukes of Hazzard as the balladeer. As the balladeer, that's right. Yeah. So uh, my uh, 40th high school reunion is coming up in Rocktober. Ah. So you going to go? Ah, probably. You know, I live too close to my alma mater. As, <laughs> as, uh, You're going to Dingling High School? Yes. <laughs> 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 so, did you go to your 45th school reunion? It would have been uh, last year. I did not. I don't know if they even had one. I guess if I was on the Facebook, I might have. I don't think I would have gone. Yeah. I, I sort of don't don't have that you know i think you're still in touch with some of the people from uh, back then i i would really have one one good friend that i i'm still in touch with uh, that i went to high school yeah. with but uh yeah out of out of 417 people i graduated high school with including myself i probably keep in touch with five yeah you know on a regular basis and, and yeah, i see all the stuff that comes through the uh, facebook machine but i uh I've, I've tried to minimize. I just can't eat up time with all that stuff. Yeah. So, um, so this is uh, it's sad to belong by England Dan and John Ford Cooley. 
off their album Dowdy Ferry Road. And uh, England Dan's real name is Danny Whalen Seals. So he's the brother of Seals and Crofts. Seals and Crofts. Jim Seals. Yeah. So. And, and Cuckoo Fran and Ollie. What was that? Sid Croft. <laughs> Sid Croft, I think, yeah. I don't know if they were any relation. Someone else to look up. But, uh, no relation, different spelling. The song peaked at number 21 and it got to number one on the adult contemporary chart. And it, this was the big single released from their that 1977 album, Dowdy Fairy Road. You know, I like this song, but I got to go sap. Really? Yeah. yeah, I could see that on the subject matter. I I went neutral on it. Yeah, yeah. Just just you know, using the Mark Roback uh, make uh, <laughs> definition uh, of sap. Oh, yeah. the math. Yeah. <laughs> in a bar in Toledo, across from the depot, on a bar stool, she took off. We had this one before. Because this is where Kenny Rogers takes a crap in the field. This is Lucille, Kenny Rogers. Yep. And uh, yeah, this was in our episode six from uh, June 11th, where it was number six. It went to number five and got to number one on the country and UK charts. And it was written by Hal Bynum and Roger Bowling. And this was Kenny Rogers' first major hit as a solo artist after leaving his band the first edition the previous year. So I am. Um, I went neutral on this one. He came to Probably neutral. just because of Kenny. Um, yeah. I think if it was like another country artist, I, I probably would have went uh, bad or sap. But Kenny, I, I went, I went good because I have good memories of singing the song. You know, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, um, for the last song. You say England Dan and John Ford Cooley, like the Coo- Grand Cooley Dam. Um, I might have said that. Yeah. I, heard, I heard you say Cooley. Well, is it Coley? John Ford Coley. Coley, okay. I, I apologize for that. Remember, I couldn't do, I couldn't pronounce uh, Von Elliman. I went like Yvonne <laughs> or something, or Yvonne. I don't know. <laughs> It's hard when you read stuff, especially the names. Who knows? <laughs> is this the is this the girl from Nova Scotia? <laughs> no, I, I believe she's from Australia. Don't you? Know? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this is. For My World by Helen Reddy. Uh, this was in both our episodes, uh, 6 and 16 from 1977, where it was number 36 and 26, respectively. It was a ballad originally recorded in 1963 as Il Mio Mondo, My World by Umberto Bindi, uh, who co-wrote the Italian version with Gino Poelli. Subsequently, an English version was commissioned, and the lyrics were written by Carl Sigmund as You're My World, and Celia Black hit number 26 with the song in 1964, and that was her only top 40 hit in the U.S. Um, This version got as high as number 18. 
I, I think I said before, I like the Seela Black version better. And maybe I'll put a snippet of it in here. But uh, I went neutral on this one. I'm going to go neutral. The instruments are pretty good, the band back. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very good arrangement. So this morning I was watching uh, television, and it was the Jack Benny program from 1961. And there's this young boy singing, and he did covers. One of them was to- to- Tootsie Goodbye. <laughs> and it was Bobby Rydell. Oh, wow. And so Bobby Rydell actually did two songs, and then Dennis Day got all angry at Jack Benny because Dennis Day wasn't able to sing any songs. And it was, it was okay. okay. <laughs> Do you ever watch that on Antenna TV? Uh, I, I have not. Maybe that's another one I got to... Uh, oh, yeah. You got to listen to the radio program, too. Okay. <laughs> It'll feel like the first time if I go listen yeah. to it. Um, yeah, so this is Feels Like the First Time by Foreigner off their album Foreigner. This was number five in our episode six from June 11th. One notch higher at number four. And this was their debut release and their first hit in both the U.S. and the U.K. Um, despite originally flopping on its initial British UK release, <laughs> I, I was redundant. British UK release. <laughs> so um, yeah, so uh, you know, Mick Jones, uh, who was the founder of Foreigner, he spent time in the band Spooky Tooth with Gary Ooh. Wright, of Dream and uh, Spooky with Gary Tooth. Wright. Yep, Sp- Spooky Tooth was mentioned in that article, uh, that interview with uh, Rory Gallagher. I was talking about it as well. Talked about playing in the same venues with them over in uh, uh, Belgium, I believe. So, anyway, um, I rated this one good. All right, I went neutral. <laughs> so I get, you know, I bought concert tickets, and uh, I've got the. What came in this morning was the Foreigner farewell tour. There's no one left. All <laughs> yes. right. It's like, you know. <laughs> farewell. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, Bowser. Uh, yeah, from Shanana. From Shanana. Yeah. He had a, a law passed in California that says, says uh, truth in advertising. If people aren't like originals. Uh-huh. You, you can't call it. You, you, you have to like you know put an asterisk or something on it. The thing is, is freaking Bowser wasn't originally in Shanana. Uh, in Shanana. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Who was in Shanana? There's a guy I think on the countdown that was not freaking Shanana. Yeah, I don't. I don't oh know. yeah, yeah. I, I think that'll come later. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So um. So this one is You Made Me Believe in Magic by the Bay City Rollers off their album It's a Game. So I didn't remember this one, even though we had it on episode 16 as well. But uh, yeah, the song peaked at number 10. Uh, and of course, the Bay City Rollers' biggest hit in the U.S. was Saturday Night that went to number one in 76. And also they had Money Honey that went to number nine. And... Um, 
Yeah, uh, so we talked about before, though, how these poor guys didn't make any money. Their management record company took it off. But uh, I gave this one a neutral. Actually, not Um, bad for them guys. I kind of like this. That one's good. Ah, Yeah, very good. I I could see that. I, I, I was teetering. Nice guitar here. It's all done by studio musicians. Yep. All right. That was two, two on 21. Old. Yeah. All right. That was the song, uh, a song by the band that rhymes with Beagles. Yeah. It was uh, Life in the Fast Lane. I, <laughs> I rated it a good. I rated it good, too. It's um because it was rated in a previous episode <laughs> that way, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and I don't change. So, yep. Yeah. All right. On to number twenty. So much. <sighs> Somewhere back in time. You became a friend of I did not remember this song. Yeah, and this was uh, in the previous episode, and like I said, I still didn't remember it. Yeah, so this is Love's Grown Deep by Kenny Nolan off his album I Like Dreaming. It was number 24 in our episode 6 from June 11th. It peaked at number 20, and uh, as a performer, Kenny Nolan... His uh, one of only two songs he made it big as a performer, but he was a big songwriter, including some of the disco era's finest. Disco Texas Get Dancing, he wrote. Oh, Disco Sex and the Sex Olets. Yep, also yeah. Patti LaBelle's Lady Marmalade and Frankie Valley's My Eyes Adored You. Yeah, those are great songs, but this is Sap. Yeah, I, I voted Sap on this as well. Yeah. So, uh, the guy from Shanana mm-hmm. was Henry Gross. Ah, okay. Who wrote Shannon? All right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And and I heard him. I was listening to the seventies on seven sometime in the last week. It might even been on a, a countdown from yeah, August of whatever the heck it was. I'm like. Oh yeah, he did that song, and it sounded sounded like the Beach Boys. Oh yeah, that that song. Ah, uh, oh, crap. Uh, what what is that song? Summertime. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. What is it? Yeah, summer '76. Ah, he had a song. It sounded like the Beach Boys. Then he wrote about Brian Wilson's dead dog. This, of course, is ABBA. Knowing me, knowing you. 
their album Arrival. And Casey said this is the eighth consecutive top 40 hit for ABBA. This, this was number 34 in our episode 6 from June 11th. And I got to number 14 and number 1 in the UK. And ABBA was the 60th best-selling artist in the U.S. in the 70s, which seems like they should have been higher than that with 10 yeah, no top kidding. 40 hits. But uh, yeah. that's the case. Because they, they had fizzled out in the early 80s. You know? Yeah. But they had four songs in the top 10 and, and number one with Dancing Queen also in 1977. So. But this one, I, I rated this uh, as a neutral. I, I've actually think rated most of uh, the ABBA song's good, but this one, eh, it's it's fair. All right. I went good. We're counting down the most popular songs in the country from Kodiak to Kokomo, from Hartford to Honolulu. I did not go to a lot of high school dances. Uh, yeah, I think I went to none. <laughs> I don't know that they had many. They recall. Maybe in junior high school, I went to more. And it's like, what am I doing here? Yeah. yeah. But if you go to your reunion, though, perhaps it'll be a dance. <laughs> Who am I going to dance with? Besides my friend Doug. I don't know. So, so yeah. So this is high school dance by the Silvers. Something special. I don't think that will happen. Yeah. And, uh, so Casey said this was the third top forty hit for the Silvers, but the first one that they wrote by themselves peaked one notch higher at number seventeen, and it was number twenty five on our episode six from June eleventh. Of course, their biggest song was Boogie Fever in 1975 that went to number one uh, on the R&B and pop charts that year. And Hotline was another top 10 that went to number three and number five on those charts. Uh, 76. I went uh, good. Yeah, this has got a funky dance group. Uh, good as well. All right, we're going to have a little intro for number 17 from... Mr. Well, now I have the latest hit by the only artist we know of to have two of his albums recalled by the federal government. Who? Who? It happened for the first time back in 1972 when this when? zany star had more than a half million pair of women's panties imported from England. He was getting ready to release an album titled Schools Out, whose theme was Teenage Rebellion. And the star hoped his fans would be inspired to use the panties in the old teenage prank of flying women's lingerie like flags on car antennas. But when the panties landed in this country, they were immediately confiscated by customs agents under the federal fabric law that makes it illegal to sell highly flammable garments. <laughs> the government then yanked 400,000 copies of that album containing those flammable panties off the market. And the star oh, told geez. us it took three weeks before his lawyers could reverse the order by convincing federal agents that the panties were not intended to be sold or worn. 
Then, just a few months later, the artist was busted again. This time, the Secret Service stopped the release of his album, Billion Dollar Babies. The problem with this one was a picture on the inside cover of a million dollars worth of real money. And that violated a federal law against printing color pictures of American currency. And before the government would let the star release his album, he had to reshoot that cover picture using millions of dollars in play money. So much for the case of Uncle Sam versus Alice Cooper. This week, Alice moves up to number 17 with his latest, You and Me. Well, this is this is housewife rock. Right? Yeah. But I tell you, you know, talk about a government out of control. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I could see it's, the currency. It's, it's only worse now. Yeah, you know? I, I could see the currency thing more than the uh, the important uh, ladies under things, but <laughs> probably gave them more. They're highly flammable. Than, you know. Yeah. Hey, what's yeah. the currency over in uh, in England? In in England, it's, the, yeah. it's still the pound, isn't it? <laughs> Someone years ago <laughs> was going overseas. And it was about when you plug your appliance in, it's the frequency, not the currency or the oh, current. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is nerd humor. Yeah. It's 50 hertz over there. It's 50 hertz over there. Yeah. So, so, so it, it's a joke amongst people of what's the currency, you know, in England, don't you know? Yeah. Like, what's the frequency, Kenneth? What's the yeah. currency, Kenneth? Yeah. Um, All right, anyway, what, are you, what are you doing here? So the, this was in our uh, both our episodes 6 and 16, where it was number 40 and number 25. And yeah, it was labeled Housewife Rock. Uh, I gave it a neutral, and that I think is being kind of generous. Yeah, I'm going neutral too. You know, coming to the shed near us, the next town over for both of us, is like the the weirdo tour. Mr. Cooper and Mr. Zombie are going to be there in September. Oh, want to go? Might be uh, September, huh? Yeah, I think it's in September. I've yeah, seen well, Rob Zombie before. He opened up for Ozzy about twenty years ago. Yeah. It was awful. I did not like Mr. Zombie. Uh, but I I've never seen Alice Cooper. Yeah, I, I might consider it. Got to look at the dates. There's a lot of stuff going on in uh, in September. Yeah. So, there it is. What You Gonna Do by Pablo Cruz. Uh, off his album, uh, or their album, A Place in the Sun. This was also in both episodes 6 and 16, where it was number 39 and number 6, and it peaked at number 6. This single was their first major hit, but they also had later hits with Love Will Find a Way, number 6 and 78, and Don't Want to Live Without It, uh, number 21 and 78 as well, and I Want You Tonight number 19 in 1979. So, um, I gave this one a good. I like this one. Yeah, I like it too. Yeah, so it's uh, Sunday, September 10th. Yeah, I, think, I think that's free. I'll, I'll uh, check, but yeah, 
I could potentially go. Yeah, I'm going good on this too. I could skip Rob Zombie. <laughs> yeah, all I want to hear is the housewife rock. I'm going good. Yeah, yeah. So this is off uh, Rita Coolidge's album, Anytime, Anywhere. Her love has lifted me higher, higher and higher. And um, yeah, this was also in our episode 6 and 16, where it was number 37 and number 3. Got to number 2, and it's a cover of the old Jackie Wilson song from 1967. Um, yeah, this is, this is good, for sure. I always like this one. You know, she was married to uh, <coughs> Chris Christopherson, who, who made a big joke last year. He wanted to play his guitar and go on tour again, but that was really Jeff Bridges. <laughs> Don't get them mixed up. The bricks you dip in the gold, and the gold you dip in the red paint. <laughs> This was a surprise song of the top 50 songs of the 1970s. That's right, yeah. Oh. Yeah, so there it is, Best of My Love by The Emotions. Off the album The Best of the Emotions. <laughs> so, yeah, this was in our episode 16 from uh, August 27th, where it was the number one song and it stayed there for five weeks. And yeah, that, at the time, that was a record for a female group. It was written by Earth, Wind, and Fire members Al McKay and Maurice White, and also produced by Maurice White. And he knew the emotions, sisters Wanda, Sheila, and Pamela Hutchinson, from his pre-Earth, Wind, and Fire days when he regularly drummed for the then-teenage girl group on their gigs in the Chicago area. And of course, the emotions uh, sing on Earth, Wind, and Fire's hit, Boogie Wonderland. Yep. This is, this is good. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to go neutral on this because I'm sick of it. Yeah. Number one record, like, of all time. Huge in 1977, Rumors. Yeah. Um, deservedly so. I mean, it's a it's a wonderful record. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I, I can see where you'd be sick of it. I, 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 <laughs> I couldn't count the number of times I've heard it, too. But still, I went, I went good with it. And um, this was uh, in our episode six from June 11th, where it was number two, and it went to number one. So it, you know that that album, yeah, deservedly really, so. Yep. That album really is is something else. Yep. And that's not true. Okay. 
<laughs> I've heard thunder when it's not raining. Yeah. Right? So there's there's a bit of tomfoolery <laughs> going on there. <laughs> but they say when you hear thunder, you should stay inside for 30 minutes. With the right? Because yeah. they all the fear casting going on with your phone and stuff. Yeah. Stay inside for for 30 minutes after you hear thunder. Well, well, you know, it's interesting you should say that that yeah, that thunder only happens when it rains. So it's like that's fake news. Or or is it a rumor? <laughs> All right. So there it is. Do you want to make love by Peter McGann? This was in both our episodes 6 and 16, where it was number 23 both times. It peaked at number 5. And McCann is from the town of Bridgeport in the south of our state, and he went to the same college as my father. Wow! Did he play uh, against Bob Cousy like your father did? I don't think so. I think he went quite a bit after my father. Well, maybe not. Uh, I don't know. I don't know his age at the time, but uh, but he also wrote Jennifer Warren's pop hit "Right Time of the Night." Oh, that's he, a great song. Yeah, and he wrote some country hits. But um, to me, I, I went sap on this one. Really? Yeah. You know, he just died. Did he? Yeah, he died uh, he? January twenty sixth yeah. of this oh. year. He was seventy four years old. Yeah. Oh, we didn't mention at the top of the show the the huge music news uh, that Tony Bennett just passed away. Good long life for Tony. And uh, absolutely, I was a fan. Gail saw him in Newport years ago. I actually went good on this song, and I don't know why. Yeah, I I almost thought you know sap. Uh, doesn't even really fit my criteria, but nevertheless, that's what I had in the previous episode. So, yeah. Now check this out. How do, how do you rationalize the appearance of an album entitled "I'm in You"? I mean, what? What? What is that? Is that guy kidding? I don't care where I go I'm surprised you played that clip. <laughs> I need you, I need you, I need you, I need you. This was in both episodes 6 and 16, and, and so was that Frank Zappa clip, I believe. I mean you. <laughs> I mean you. Uh, yeah, this was uh, Peter Frampton's off his fifth studio album, and he was under a lot of pressure from the producers to match the sales success of Frampton, and Frampton comes alive and put this out. I mean you. Oh, sadly and amazingly, this is the highest Frampton ever climbed on the charts at number two. But my opinion, that. And you know, Mark, if I hadn't been ill this past week, 
Mr. Frampton is playing down at the casino tonight. Oh, really? And uh, we went down. We saw Seinfeld two weeks ago down at the Indian Reservation. And uh, and I saw that he was there, and you know he he was going to stop touring because he had issues with his audio immune or, or something. And he, yeah. And and he and he came back. You know, I mean that's what he does. He's a performer. Yeah. And uh, I saw him open up for Fake Journey in 2001 at the Shed, where we're going to go see Rob Zombie and did, Alice Cooper. And I would love to see him. Did you see they're they're starting to have concerts again at Colt Park too? Yeah, you know, the, the flock of seagulls was flock there. Flock of seagulls were there. Yeah, I like. I didn't yeah. even hear about that. <laughs> oh, I. You know where I heard it from? My barber. Oh, really? At the professional <laughs> barber shop, Rob. <laughs> yeah. Who probably, you know, Rob Zombie. No. <laughs> oh, Rob R. Anyway, what did you rate this? Oh, you rated it sap, right? Yeah. I have to go good just because of the way that Frank Zappa made a, a bit out of it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, anything that you can make humor out of does, is, is great. Does Frampton it's, it's still... Dr. Demento type of thing. Does Frampton still perform this one? I don't think so. But I tell you, I really like Peter Frampton. I think he's, he's yeah. really good. Wasn't he in Spooky Tooth? No, 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 no. He was in um, with uh, Steve Marriott. He was in um, I Don't Need a Doctor. Uh, what the heck is that band? Uh, I don't need no doctor. UFO? No, 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 not UFO. Uh, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer? No, I'm just naming no. bands randomly now. <laughs> feeling's no, he was in um, uh, This is uh, My Heart Belongs to Me by Babs. Humble Pie. He was in Humble, Humble Pie. Pie. Yeah, okay. And you could get Humble Pie and Spooky Tooth mixed up, I think. Yeah. And also, uh, I, I get those to mixed up with Uriah Heep as well for some reason. With UFO. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And don't forget UK. <laughs> yeah. And then there's UK subs. <laughs> that they were a punk rock band in the early eighties. So this is off of uh Barbara Streisand's Superman album. This was also in both episodes six and sixteen, where it was number twenty-two and number thirty-seven. Wasn't when Chris Christopherson in that movie? He, he was. Well, a star is born. Oh, not Superman. Okay. Yeah. Um, this one went to number four. I think I just mentioned that the song was originally considered for Streisand's film "A Star Is Born," but um, it was not included on that project. And, uh, and Chris Christopherson was married to who? Rita Coolidge. And he was in the what with whom? The uh, the uh, starts yeah, with the, an H. <laughs> the Highwayman. And with, he was with uh, was that Waylon Jennings? Was he in the Highwayman? Yeah, and no one. 
Was it Stone and the Highwaymen? No, Johnny Cash and uh, Willie Nelson. Oh, okay. Come on, you got to get your country jive going, man. Oh, well, who's the? Oh, I'm thinking of the the Wilburys. Getting all mixed up today. (laughs) Yeah, the the outlaw traveling highwaymen. Right, the outlaw country guys. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, all right, I got to go neutral on this because I like it. I love her voice, but I just yeah, neutral for me as well. All right. I'm going good on this as a one-time parrot head. I've seen Jimmy Buffett half a dozen times. It's been 30 years, but we we drove up to uh, to Graceland, uh, Great Woods, twice in two days to see Jimmy Buffett in like 1989. Oh wow! And uh, I've seen him at the shed here, where we're gonna go see Rob Zombie and. Alice Cooper next month or in two months. Another time up there. And and then it just turned into like going to a Dave Matthews band concert where all the kids just get blotto. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Plays the same like seven songs. Yeah. So yeah, Margaritaville by Jimmy Buffett off his album Changes in Latitude, Changes in Attitude. It's number uh, 19 on our episode 6 from June 11th. Um, I went good too, but I could make the argument like you made for uh, uh, dreams that I have heard enough of this song. But I still voted good. Yeah. You know, the guy has made franchise out of this song and yeah un unfreaking believable god bless him yeah good for him yep in the boeing company made a franchise out of jet airliners yeah my uh friends that i play trivia with uh, also uh, actually she retired beth b beth yep yep but her and her husband saw steve miller recently and said he was great said it was a really really good show he's going to be playing with joe satriani did i say that right no joe satriani he's from your he's from your neck of the woods (laughs) um i think at daryl's place or at woodstock or something ah okay this month that would be interesting to go see if it was more local. Yeah. So yeah, this is a Jet Airliner by the Steve Miller Band off his album Book of Dreams. This was in our episode six where it was number nineteen, and uh, I commented on that last episode that the line where he says he touches down in New England town, did he land at Brainerd Airport? <laughs> But uh, anyway, good good song. This is good for me. Yeah, I, I'm gonna go. I mean, this has been driven into the ground too. But it's another one. Yeah, but yeah. I think we both went good on that one, right? Yes. I'm gonna go neutral on this. I, uh, I did as well. Huh? Remember this one? I remember it. 
Yeah, this is uh, Angel in Your Arms by Hot off their album Hot. And, uh, <laughs> this was in Ow. our episode six where it was number 11. I'm doing that hot like uh, from Rainbow Stargazer, you know, the part where Dio goes hot. <laughs> Uh, have you yeah. ever seen the Steve Miller band? I, I haven't. No, no, I haven't. I remember, you know, when I was working down at, at your plant, or actually building 4A, you know, in 1989. He, uh, he played over at the Lake Compounds, and there was a party going on, and all these people had to leave because they are going to go see uh, Steve Miller band over there. And that's that's the place of the famous Milli Vanilli uh, tape breaking. Oh yeah! And, and if you go to if you go to like compounds, they have a where the stage used to be, and there's a little plaque that talks about when the Milli Vanilli tape broke. Uh. And uh, our former colleague John N was actually there. It was great. Because young MC was there, and uh, who's the other guy? The Funky Cold Medina guy. Uh, uh, Who did yeah, Funky Cold Medina? I can't think of him now. Yeah. But it, it was like the tape broke and, and John says, and all you could hear was like a bunch of dogs. And then it's supposedly like, yeah, they, they, they were trying to leave the stage and downtown Julie Brown like yelled at him, you've got to get yeah. back on the stage. <laughs> There's yeah, a whole the story about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, that's the infamous Guns N' Roses was supposed to play there and no one got paid. Yeah. And, uh, so it's great so history anyway, for this local area. Yeah. So, yeah, I voted neutral on this song, but I just wanted to mention that uh, uh, this trio came together after uh, they were working as backup singers in Wolfman Jack's show. Oh, wow. Tone Loke is the funky cold mechanic. Oh, guy. yeah. <laughs> Who could forget Tone Loke? Do you think Tone Loke ever uh, <clears throat> sampled this gentleman? I wouldn't be surprised at all. I tell you, back in 1989, Tone Loke and Young MC, those were, oh my gosh. Yeah. That was the soundtrack of 1989. That was a great summer, the summer of 89. <laughs> I had so much fun. Oh. Anyway, I've had this, a lot of fun since then, too, but, you know, that was a good summer. So, anyway, this is uh, Robin Thicke. Oh, no, wait. This is uh, Marvin Gaye. <laughs> Gonna give it up, part one, of uh, every great Motown hit of Marvin Gaye, at least uh, originally released as a single. But this was in our episode six, where it was number three. We went to number one, the famous uh, lawsuit uh, against Blurred Lines by... Uh, I, n- I never heard blurred lines. Yeah, I heard about. I read about it in the newspaper. Marvin Gaye's family was awarded seven point three million dollars in damages. But, but I, you know, this is a good. Alan Thick, the kid's father, did write theme music to Different Strokes. Ah, okay. Yeah. And. And that one with Charlotte Ray. What was facts that? of life. The facts of life. The facts of life. Yeah. Yes. 
That different stroke song is pretty good. Yeah. What you oh, talking this? about, Willis? This was a huge song in the 70s. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, this, of course, is Andy Gibb. I just want to be your everything. This was on our episode 6, 16, and episode 26 from October 29th, 76. Wow. That's how long it was on the charts. So this was the first of three number one singles for Indy Gibb, which made him the first male solo artist with three consecutive number one singles in the U.S. I, I went neutral on this, so not, All right. not a big fan of this one. Yeah, I went good. On a number four. Well, this is not the Maynard Ferguson version that we talked about last summer in one of those episodes. Yeah. And I've never seen this movie. <laughs> That's amazing um, to me. This this is from the, the theme from that uh, movie, Rocky. Yeah. So there's this big thing going on now, okay? What are you going to go see, Barbie or Oppenheimer? <laughs> I don't know. And I was when I was at the beach last week... You know, my friends that are about our age, a little older than us, they both said they want to see Barbie. Any any reason for that? Just because of they read about it and want to see it. Yeah. I remember when Gail and I were uh, in uh, Disney World, we went to see, like, the Barbie stage show or whatever. I think we wanted to cool off a little bit. <laughs> I probably won't see either. So anyway, yeah, Gonna Fly Now, the theme from Rocky by Bill Conti. As you mentioned, this was in our episode six where it was number four. And that episode also had the Maynard Ferguson version that was number 30. This version got to number one. Yeah, I rated it good. All right. Four I'm, different, I'm going neutral on this. Four different versions of this song made the Hot 100 in 1970. Wow. All right, I'm going to go sap. Yeah, same here. I love you, Barry, but eh. Yeah, so this is looks like we made it off Barry Manilow's This One's For You album. This was in our episode six where it was number 18. Went to number one. I recently watched the WKRP in Cincinnati Marathon, and there was a part where Johnny Fever thought he was going to get fired, and he pleaded, please, please, I promise I'll play the Carpenters and Barry Manilow. <laughs> uh, that was a great show. Uh, yeah, this one is a less tolerable. Very song. Yeah. Well, speaking of the uh, the Hardy Boys show where they had Ricky Nelson or Rick Nelson on it, the Flickering Torch Mystery. There's the co-star 
along with Parker Stevenson of the Hardy Boys TV show. Yeah, Mr. Sean Cassidy. Yeah, the little stepbrother of David Cassidy. Yeah, this is Dadu Ron Ron. Did on on the Hardy Boys? Did they? Did the brothers play music? Were they like in a band on a show or anything? I, I think that Sean Cassidy did. I don't think Parker Stevenson did because then Parker Stevenson got married to that woman that was Sarah and Star Trek Two and. Beck was her name. When uh, she was in Cheers. Yeah, Kirstie Alley. Kirstie Alley. Yeah. And that didn't last. And She's Parker dead was. Now. Yeah, Parker was yeah. on Baywatch for a while too. Oh, that's right. You watch yeah. Baywatch with the sound off. I understand. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm gonna go bad on this one. Uh, I did too. Uh, it was originally recorded by the Crystals in 1963 with Darlene Love claiming she was the lead vocal, but there's a dispute about that. But uh, I, I like that version better. And uh, and as I mentioned in grammar school, though, this was a butt of a joke that uh, you know involved diarrhea with the do run run run. All right. <laughs> with that being said, we're going to get the intro to the number one song for the week ending. July 9th, 1977, from Casey Kasem. Here we are at the end of the countdown, about to hear the most popular song in the USA. And it's a fantasy. Unreal and impossible things happen to the people in the song. Well, it turns out to be only the third time in the 37-year history of the charts that a fantasy song has hit number one. And the first time was only two and a half years ago. That's when Helen Reddy hit the top with Angie Baby, the song about the strange girl who kept her lover imprisoned in her radio, remember? Then Angie (laughs) Baby was pushed out of number one by the second fantasy song (laughs) in history to hit number one. I didn't know that was a fantasy song. John's recording of the Beatle classic, Lucy in the Sky. And until this week, those have been the only two fantasies in history to hit the top spot. Now here comes the third, sung and written by the same man who wrote the first one, Angie Baby. This is the biggest selling single in America this week, number one on American Top 40, Alan O'Day's Undercover Angel. Yeah, so this was a big hit. It was in both our episodes 6 and 16. And uh, as we talked about before, Alan O'Day was a successful songwriter before becoming a solo artist and releasing this song. This was his first single. He had written hits for Bobby Sherman, The Drum in 1971, also Shares Train of Thought in 1974, and The Righteous Brothers, Rock and Roll Heaven in 74. But as Casey mentioned, he also wrote, yeah, Angie Bates for Helen Reddy. This was his only top 40 hit as a performer, but he has a ton of songwriting credits. And unfortunately, he passed away in 2013 at the age of 72. And uh, I went neutral on this one. All right. I went good. I like this Stevie Wonderish uh, piano thing in the background. Yeah, it does, does sound like that. Yeah. So... All right, well, we're going we're gonna to come back to this, but uh, I've got 24 good, you have 18 good. I have three bad, you have two bad. I have 10 neutral, you have 16 neutral. You have four sap, and I have three sap. So we'll see how that turns out. All right? Interesting. All righty. 
So we'll uh, move on to our ratings and things. And uh, as we always do, the first thing we want to accomplish is to pick that song that we think will torture the other guy that we call your agonizer, please. No, Mr. Spock. I did look back on our previous episodes to make sure I didn't didn't repeat. And so I'll go first here. My agonizer for you is number 17, which is interesting. Because did you not rate it good? So this this is perhaps a fail on my part. <laughs> a big fail. I, I I had something else picked out, but I think both I might have picked it before, and we can't mention the name of the band that rhymes with Beagle. So <laughs> right. Well, I I agonized you this on episode sixteen. Ah, okay. All right. Yeah. We share to tell you the truth because <laughs> the chart you sent me um, didn't have a carriage return line feed before this. I have to. <laughs> I have to find an agonizer so, um, on so, the fly. Yeah, so speaking of that, that, that criticism and stuff, I didn't catch it when we were recording the episode, but when we, when I was editing our last episode, you, you made, you know, a comment about inconsistent use of bolding. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, oh crap! He he criticized my my word technique. <laughs> of course, this week I, I substituted. June for May. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even see that. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna agonize you with uh, with number three. Yeah. Yeah. So we yeah we both rated this one sap and it's just uh, Barry did a lot better than this. But I'm sure this one would bring the house down in this concert. So. <laughs> oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. Yeah. And it did provide one half of the episode title. <laughs> that's that's right. <laughs> Along with this. I mean you. 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 All right. Yes, it did. I, I didn't. I was sure you were going to pick that title too. All right. Let's go to the best best song of the countdown. I'm going to go up to number thirty-seven. Stevie yeah. Wonder. Yeah. Good choice. Uh, yeah, my notebook here. I forget if I picked this one before as my best. I didn't. I had uh, What You Gonna Do and Turn in a Love Song back then. But I didn't go to the, the one that was later in the year. I only pulled out those episodes. Uh, I didn't. I didn't have this one before, but it's certainly good. It, 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 it ranks up there. Uh, all right. So, what do you have? 
<laughs> I I went with something that I've always liked and surprisingly didn't have it before. So I went with yeah, number 15. Great song. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. It it seems like a lot of times when songs are remade, I uh, I don't particularly care for them. But this was one where they they added a lot to it. Her her vocals added a lot to it, and it's just a great song. Well, if I remember, the original was like speeded up and had a brass section behind it. Like the wall, and I think when when this came out, you know, what we were twelve years old, we didn't know the Jackie Wilson song, right? Yeah. Okay. You know, and this this is very well done, and um, it's you know compared to what was it? Our last episode where uh, Todd Rundgren redid uh, "Good Vibrations" note for note. Okay. Yeah. This is this is very good. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. It's like some people either they do it exactly the same, and it's like why bother? Or it's it's like a subpar one. Like I I hate to say like the uh, like Donnie and 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 Marie, you know the, the, those remakes they made. It's like ah, you know, kind of plan. Well, I think off the same I mean you record, you know, where Peter Frampton side seal the liver, and which is fantastic. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, the Stevie Wonder song. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It can be done well. Yeah. yeah, but here's one for me: the worst song in the countdown, which is not done well. Interesting. Yeah. So this this was my worst song in episode six. Oh, so I agree with you. Right. I had Hotel California in episode. That's six, yes. Ah, so, yeah. And in episode sixteen, I had. Do you want to dance or something? Number twenty-three. What yeah. was that? <laughs> uh, no. Do you want to make love by Peter McCann? Okay. Yeah. 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 I in episode sixteen, I had, ironically, Christine sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's your worst song of the countdown, my friend? Uh, yeah, well, I guess we're going to have to hear it again. But since some other things were disqualified, I had to go with number 11. Poor Peter, he just shouldn't have done this one. <laughs> no. It's just after the other stuff he had put out. All right. Well, you know what? For my guilty pleasure. Now check this out. My guilty how pleasure. Do, how do you rationalize the appearance of a number album 11 entitled <laughs> Oh, okay. I'm in you. 
just because it inspired this. I mean, <laughs> because it inspired this. What? what is that? So. Is that guy kidding? <laughs> That's a guilty pleasure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Every time you hear this, you think of that. <laughs> right, right. So, anyhow. All boy, right. That's, that was a lot of work to have that shtick come out, so. Yeah. Anyhow. Yeah. All right. All right. What's so your my, guilty pleasure? Or no, guilt- what's your story song? Uh, no, actually, I still have to do my guilty pleasure. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, so I I, I had a little bit of a toss-up here, but uh, I ended up going with uh, number 14. All right. This was great choice. Yeah. You know, probably guilty pleasure because it's a disco song, but it's like, I don't know how many of these guilty pleasures that I picked that it's actually, you know what? I, I, I just like the song outright. Yeah, yeah, it's a great song. You know, produced by the Earth, Wind, and Fire uh, folks. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why. Really, really good. So, so this can't be your story song of the week. It is not. So, what is your story song of the week? Listen to a story about a man named Jed, a poor mountaineer, barely kept his family fed. This might be surprising. Again, I had to go and look back at what we picked before. So, yeah, I went with number 31. He was born on a summer day in 1951. Pretty much starting out as a story right there. Oh, yeah. 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 And, and, and again, this song, um, it's... It's a well put together song, and, and and love the guitar solo. And so, good choice. And you know, in the in the background with this song, he, Andrew Gold said it wasn't autobiographical, but it, apparently he did have a sister that, and he was born around the same time. <laughs> All right, good choice. Well, my story song of the week is way farther down in the countdown. Let me go find it right now. Number nine. Watching the sun bake. Yep, that's a story. So, how come there's not a lonely boy, you know, restaurant Restaurant? Yeah. Uh, there's a big boy. <laughs> it used to be. I don't know. <laughs> There's also a soap life boy. <laughs> There's a soap called Life Boy. Yep. Yeah. So. Yeah, and it's it's great because we never hear this song. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> All right. So now we get to this was uh, for me really difficult this week. Okay. Urgent songs. Uh, uh, maybe you had an easier time, but I. I think I almost bailed out and just kind of went more with the titles than anything else. So first, first of the two is number 38. Ooh, scary. The devil's gun. Yeah. Yeah. So and is uh, the other one number seven? Uh, it is not. Um, so yeah, devil's gun. 
the devil is evil. And I, I said that was uh, divergent from number one. The undercover angel. So, okay. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I really had a hard time. Uh, well, I didn't have a hard time. All right. Oh, okay. Because I look for these things because um, my first song was number 38, The Devil's Gun. Okay. All right. And that's my favorite word is juxtaposed with number seven. Okay, so, so we angel in your arms. Yeah, so we essentially did the same thing. Uh, <laughs> I just went farther did. up the chart than you did. <laughs> so, I, that might warrant the uh, the winning Price is Right music right here. Because <laughs> it's the same idea. It's the same idea. Yeah, without a doubt. That's why I said it was at number seven. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> All righty. Yeah. Fair enough. So um, I'm going to find something to take us out on. I found I... it. Okay. No, not that. <laughs> why not? <laughs> Haven't we heard it enough? <laughs> what, are you kidding me? <laughs> okay. Well, bring it. <laughs> all right, all right. We'll we'll do something else. <laughs> yeah, I, I I want you to put on thirty eight because that's I didn't remember it, but I think that's a good song. The, the Devil's Gun. Yeah. Okay. As long as the devil's not in you. Yeah. I could picture putting on your polyester suit and going on the Studio 54 and boogieing down to this one. So, all right, so, do I go back to the ratings. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll look right. at the ratings. Uh, you want to go first, or shall I? Well, <clears throat> I had 24 good, three bad, 10 neutral, and three sap. I went A minus. Okay, interesting. It's almost like we're flip flopping from last week. I I went, uh, you know, I had 18 good, 16 neutral, two bad, and four sap. I went B minus. I, I, I said um, to myself, less than half of these I considered good, and with two bad and four saps, I I, I think that took away from the countdown. So that's Even interesting though, because if you add your bad and sap with my bad and sap, they both equal six. Yeah, but I think this is a great countdown. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fair enough. Um, I had less. You know, I had more good and less neutral than you. But uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, there was actually some some ones I was surprised that uh, you went you went good on, and I I might have been a little tough with one of the saps, and I, there were a few of the neutrals that I was borderline on. So you know, but but that that's what I rated it. What did we? I want to just quickly look at the, our ratings from those previous episodes. Let me see if I got. Well, let's see. For episode number uh, six, I wrote it a solid B. I don't have yours. I have to look at the spreadsheet for that. Yeah, let me see. Uh, I didn't write it down. And then for August twenty seventh, episode sixteen, I had a B. 
you had a B plus, and I crossed off an A and I made it a B. Yeah, yeah. So interestingly, for episode six, I had a B minus again. So I, I guess I don't know. Just wasn't feeling it as much, uh, much as you. But yeah, there you go. Fairly consistent though. I like that. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. All right. So All right, as so... we wind it up, what would Casey say? Yeah, so Casey would say, hopefully he won't get sued, but he would say, keep living life in the fast lane, but take it easy. All right. Keep your podcast machine right where it's tuned. Have a good time, everybody. Enjoy. Enjoy your summertime. Yep. You can check us out on the Twitter at 70s Weekly or at 70s Weekly. And uh, I post and retweet some stuff, and I'll post some stuff we talked about in this episode. You go out and buy Ken Katz's book, yeah. four bucks on the on the Kindle machine. Yep, and and go see uh, Dave Barbie's band and and Barbie <laughs> okay. and Oppenheimer. And <laughs> hey, maybe I'll watch Rocky sometime. All right. <laughs>